Amen. That's cool. Amen. I don't know. Uh, it's been a while, I think, since we had a baptism on a Wednesday night. I know Josh and Josh Shirley is our discipleship pastor, and uh, he sent a text, I believe it was this morning. He was like, hey, if, can we have a baptism tonight? And I was like, of course. So if we can get it ready, we're on. And uh, he's like, I got it. And um, thankful for, for that, for sure. What a great way to start it out. Uh, next Wednesday night is move night. I hope that you'll all be here for, uh, for move night next Wednesday night. And this, uh, this Sunday, we're looking forward to uh, continuing our systems uh, sermon series as we will look at God and the government on Sunday, right? Everybody's excited for that. And, uh, but we'll, we'll look in uh, the book of Romans and elsewhere for, uh, for that sermon on Sunday morning. So I hope that you'll be here with us and uh, that you're in a group. And um, God is ministering to you here and through you here. And I look forward to, uh, to tonight's message. As we continue our uh, sermon series on Wednesday nights called Wonderful Counseling. And again, the, the whole driving force behind this is if you need these or maybe someone needs to hear these from you. As uh, we talked uh, last week about guilt and tonight is about identity and uh, our, our self-worth, how we see ourselves, how others should see themselves. And uh, identify is a very um, buzzword these days and, and times. It's one that is um, heard throughout popular culture now. It's a big deal. We live in a world where people are identifying in a variety of ways. And today our culture talks about uh, identifying with race and identifying with gender and identifying with sexual orientation. But that's not all. People identify themselves by their experiences. People identify themselves by their age, by their stage in life. Uh, they identify by socio socioeconomic status, uh, political views, uh, abilities and disabilities. Some identify by that. They identify by interest and even religious affiliations. Uh, I remember having a, an intentional conversation at a, a youth event one night with a young lady that um, had seemed to make a profession of faith, and I, I said, well, well, well tell, me, tell me it is what you believe. And her response is, I'm Catholic. To which my response is, well, what does that mean to you? You know, sometimes I think we give an affiliation like I'm, I'm Baptist and just, that's got it, right? Well, what, do, what does that mean? What does it mean that you are a, a part of a denomination or you attend church here or there? Uh, responses to identity can be numerous, right? They can be numerous to say the least, and uh, they can even be fluid. They can be changing, but, but there is a basis. So let's consider this. This world that we live in has a variety of colors that meet the eye. Right today as I was uh, studying at my desk, there's the gray of the desk, there's the yellow of the sticky note, there is the pink of the highlighter, there's the green of the blessed sundrop bottle. Like it's all there before me and all of the colors that we see. In fact, the, the light's still shining outside as you drove in. It's not as depressing outside because there's still light there. And so we see the colors for a while, we see the colors uh, in our world. But while these colors stand out individually, each of those colors has a base. Each of those colors has a primary color. And the primary colors of red, green, and blue are base colors. And those are based off of the truth of the color receptors in our eyes. As such, they are foundation for all the other colors than the color wheel and the color spectrum. It's only when the primary colors are mixed that all the other colors are created. 
So there, there may be a variety of identities in our world today, but according to Scripture, and this is the basis for the message, every person is identified with one of two base identities. Let me say that one more time. Every person who ever has been and will be is identified with one of two base identities, one of two persons, either Adam or Jesus. And who you belong to has everything to do with how you, how you identify. Who you belong to has everything to do with how you view yourself. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul in Romans and in 1 Corinthians compares Adam and Jesus. You see that. So if you want to take your Bibles, you can open them to either Romans or 1 Corinthians. Uh, Romans chapter 5 is where we'll start. And Scripture draws clear lines between Adam and Jesus. And for the purpose of the study, Adam is the human picture of sin. Jesus is the human picture of salvation and sanctification, of rescue, of righteousness of God. And Scripture draws these lines between the two. And while, he, while God is drawing these dividing lines in Scripture of identity, all of humanity is included in this conversation. And, and the first thing we see is sinful and righteous. Sinful and righteous. Adam sinful, Jesus righteous. Romans chapter 5, verse 19, the Bible says, Because one person disobeyed God, Adam, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, Jesus, many will be made righteous. So again, the identity wrapped up in one of two people, Adam or Jesus. In Adam we're sinful, in Christ we are righteous. Every person is looped into those two categories relative to identity. Either we are in Adam and labeled a sinner, or we are in Christ and we are labeled righteous because of Christ. And, and maybe we would have the response of, well, there, there's so much, though, that you could identify with. There's so much more than that to be identified with. Not at the base level, there's not. It's Adam or it's Jesus. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 and 17 present to you it's not just sinful and righteous, but there's death and life. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. And then it goes on to say in verse 17, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. Now notice that when you study the Bible, it does not say all. Thanks be to God. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness, for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death, through this one man, Jesus Christ. In Adam, there is death. In Jesus, there is life. And again, there is universal significance here. That means everyone fits into those two categories. And when you explain it like this, every person is kin to Adam by descent, with a nature to sin. And when we keep this life for ourselves, when we keep this life and call it our own, when it is separate from God, when we call our own shots, we are remaining in Adam and therefore receive the inheritance that comes with that, which is death. And death does not mean annihilation. Death means separation. And separation means that you are separate from God when you remain in your sins apart from Christ. And if you are separate from God, then you are separate from truth. Now, that is why there is all of these identifiers of such bizarre and immoral ideals in our present world. Is because they are so far from truth because those folks that would identify 
in Adam are separate from God. When you are separate from God, you are separate from truth, and that's how we get everything that is outside of the guardrails of God's Word. But it's also universally true that for those who are in Jesus, for those who have turned from their sin and trusted in Jesus and trusted God, they have life. They have fellowship with God. They are united to the truth. That is why there is conflict up against that bizarre and immoral identifying. Because it comes from a place that is governed by and is uh, that is united to the truth of God. There, there are those that would stand against what they would say is immorality in the world from folks identifying as things that are not man and woman and identifying as an alternative lifestyle. They may not even know why they do. But there are times when, when it identifies against that because of that it is tied to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the word of God. So there is sin and death. There is righteousness and unrighteousness. There's earthly and heavenly. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 48. If you look there quickly, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 48 says, earthly people are like the earthly man. And heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Earthly people being Adam, like Adam. Heavenly people being like Jesus. Again, that's one of two types of people, earthly or heavenly. And this is a description of two different realms. One is temporary and mortal. The other is eternal and divine. One is a lower view of living. The other is a higher view of living. Finally, in Romans chapter 6, now that some of you have finally reached 1 Corinthians chapter 15, (laughs) turn to Romans chapter 6. I'm sorry, that was quick. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, would contrast old and new. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Now, some of us need to just hear the word and go on home tonight. Should we keep on sinning so God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we, were, we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so we may also live, or now we may also live new lives. There is a, a thought here that happens in the heart and life of people that are trying to get it twisted. That if I just keep on sinning, God will show me more and more grace. Or if I keep on sinning, God's grace would abound even further in my sin. So why not live more and more in sin so that God's grace would abound even more and more? Yeah, that's crazy talk. Because sin ruins a believer's life. Sin always separates. And so to think that sin could linger on and on so that God could be more glorified or to think that sin could linger on and on because God has already taken care of it anyway is to take God's grace for granted. It's just wrong. For, for the believer, a life of sin is old news and there is new life of righteousness that is begun by the immersion of God's spirit. We've talked about this on Sunday a couple of weeks ago. Here in this context, in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, you have seen the living, living demonstration of the immaterial reconstruction that is happening in a person's life. Y'all, you don't get in that water unless God's heart is doing something. And God, the heart of God through the Spirit of God is doing something in your heart. 
you know, you don't get in that water. So for the believer, the life of sin that is old is given way to a new life of righteousness. And for the non-believer, though, for the non-believer, those who remain in Adam, there is no obligation to do what's right. Sometimes we expect more out of lost folks than we should. They are under no obligation to do what is right. If they are lost and apart from God, if they remain in Adam, if they remain in their nature to sin, then they are under no obligation to do what is right by God, even though they will be held accountable to God. So all of that scripture there that we've read in Romans and 1 Corinthians, all of that is to say there is one of two base identities. It's Adam representing sin and Jesus representing righteousness, sinful or righteous, life or death, earthly or heavenly, old or new. Now, hear this. When you understand the truth of the Scripture this way, it affects the way that you see people. It should change the way that you see people. See, many, many who have filled their minds with media shorts and cultural clips say, oh, I see everybody just fine. They're weird and they're wrong. Yeah, but so were you. You hear that? So were you. Well, now, I know I, was, I wasn't perfect, but, but I didn't. No, wait a minute. There's one of two categories. It's Adam or it's Jesus. It's sin or it's righteousness. So the whole thing of, well, we didn't get into any of that. Well, you got into something. Because the Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, once you were dead because of your obedience and your many sins. It goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. Now, you may have not had the same name to the sin, but it's the same sin. And by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. Listen to this part, just like everyone else. Now, you may have determined that some folks are weird and wrong, but so were we. Now, we're going to meddle here for just a second. So let's listen together. When we hear of someone who has gender dysphoria, meaning one who feels that their biological sex doesn't match their true identity, what do we think when we put that person up against someone who, say, feels like sex outside of marriage is acceptable and allowable? You see, because the gospel speaks authority over God, uh, speaks authority of God over our bodies, does it not? Does that not apply to both of those situations, or does it only apply to one? You see, when you see this in the light of Scripture, that that we identify really with one or two categories, Adam and sin, or Jesus and righteousness, it puts all of these things in a, in a very serious and holy box. When we consider an alternative sexual orientation as defined by an individual's say-so, and let's say we put that up against one whose life is defined by possessions and worldly pursuits, or maybe just one who wakes up seeking to be argumentative, and divisive. Is there one in that scenario that is wrong and weird and the other one's normal? Or are both of those things in Adam and in sin? Write this down. Some of us want only good people to be saved. Write that down. 
Some of us only want good people to be saved. You know, the problem with that is that there are none good. Not one. There are none that are righteous. Now, here's a question to consider. Do we feel that some are, unreachable, are, are so unreachable that our compassion just gives way to anger? There are some that are so far out there that, that they, they reject God so hard that our compassion is, is lost on that because it, it's just giving way to anger. Yes, but there are people far from God who, who keeps to themselves, right? Yeah, we get that. There are those that are far from God. They keep to themselves. They don't throw it in front of everybody. And, and then there are those that seem to have an agenda that want to influence others. That's what makes me angry. Well, that is true, but it doesn't change the fact that people are Adam or Jesus, sin or righteousness. And that said, I would like to suggest to you the most aggressive agenda-driven part of our culture is not alternative lifestyles, and it is not alternative identities. It's idolatry. That is the most aggressive agenda in our culture today. I think extracurricular activities and entertainment may be the greater threat to our future of the church than alternative lifestyle, hands down, hands down. You see, we don't get mad about that, though, because we also mix colors with that. That's why we don't stand up against that as much, because we rationalize those things. If we can see the world clearer, we can reach the world better. And our greatest view of the world is through the clear lens of Scripture. It will be impossible for you to have a relational conversation with anyone who lives in an old, earthly, sinful life characterized by death if you label people in your heart as weird and wrong rather than in Adam or in Jesus. Because... When people to you are just weird and wrong, there is no compassion in that. There's just no compassion in that. Just write them off, send them to hell, I guess, because even God can't reach them. Well, see, we have a responsibility to the same God that saved us, and we have a responsibility to the gospel to reach with the light of Christ, the truth that, that can break through walls of sin and shame for years and years. But if you see people through the lens of Scripture, if you see them as Adam, and Adam being a symbol of sin and death, you also know that we are plan A to reach people. And when you see people through the lens of Scripture, just like we just saw from the Word of God in ourselves, we see ourselves in Scripture, do we not? All of this has to change the way that we see people. And that doesn't mean we ever give up the truth. I want you to hear that too. We never give up the truth. But it does change the way that we see people. But, but also, tonight is also about how we see ourselves. If not, you think, I do, I, I do struggle with identity. I do struggle with my own security. I, I have a hard time feeling that God would want to save me, yet alone love me, and feel like I don't measure up to people in my life. And maybe there's people that I hope would, I'd gain their respect, but I don't know if I will or not. And, uh, you know, I don't like the person that I'm becoming. I've never liked the person that I am anyway. I feel like there are better people than me. And so if there are thoughts like that that you have of your own insecurity and, and maybe your own identity, and maybe tonight you've, you've heard the next few things that I'm about to say, you've heard them over and over anyway. 
We'll hear them again. The first thing I would say is, is if you feel this way about yourself, you've got to look in the mirror. You've got to look in the mirror. And maybe you think, well, I, that's just it. I am looking in the mirror. I look in the mirror, and I don't like what I see. And I look in the mirror, and, and I don't like who I appear to be. I don't like what others say about me. I don't like me. I don't like what I feel about me. I believe what people say is true, and, and I don't like it. Okay, I'm going to mention this movie once again, and now this is twice in two months, and it's still not an endorsement. But I have to give you an illustration from the movie Tommy Boy. There, the main character Ask the supporting character in the movie Tommy Boy if he has a mark on his face. He's like, is there anything going on right here? He's like, not here or here so much, but right in this region here. And the supporting character is like, nope, ship shape. And like he has this huge black mark across his face. So he's basically lying to him to make himself feel good. We, we have to be careful about how we gain perspectives. Some will tell you, a lie to make you feel good. Others will tell you a lie to make you feel bad on purpose. Some will dodge the truth. Some won't tell the truth. And they'll do that to, to adjust your emotions, to, to lower yourself. Now, I would say this, y'all. If you are in relationships where people will do that to you intentionally, you need to seek some relationship therapy. If it's a marriage, you need to get out of that relationship if it's a friendship or a dating relationship. That if someone would make you feel bad on purpose, that's not godly at all. You've got to be careful of how you gain perspective of ourselves. Some will tell you, again, a lie to make you feel good. Others, a lie to make you feel bad. I say that to ask this. Where do you get your truth about you? Where do you get your truth about you? According to one counselor and our author, we need to identify the lies we believe about ourselves and find the path to recovery where we discover who we really are in Christ. If you are going to identify lies about yourself, that means that the truth has to come from somewhere to discover lies. The Bible says of itself that it is a mirror. It is a mirror. James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25 teaches that Looking in the word of God and not adjusting to the truth is like looking in the mirror, seeing that you're a mess and not fixing it. It's like looking in the mirror, seeing that what you've got going on is wrong or should, is out of line, and you see yourself, you walk away, and the Bible says you forget what you look like. You make no adjustments. You don't take the sour cream and onion chip out of your teeth. You don't zip your fly like you just leave. You see it, and you walk away. God's word is a mirror for us, and the Bible says of itself that it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. God's word shows us what is real in your life, what is wrong in your life. It reveals our motives. It cuts us up and shows us exactly who we are. Now, I read this today, and I made a note, and I'm going to get my phone out here for just a second because I use the notes app on my phone. But when it comes to the mirror, I read something today that I made a quick note of that says, you don't ignore judgment when you are looking in the mirror. You just take judgment from truth. That's good. You don't ignore judgment. Like judgment is still a thing when you look in the mirror. You're not simply looking in the mirror just so that you can feel better about who you are because God may cut you up that day. But that's the truth. And the truth is there so it will help you become more like Christ, to look more like Christ, to be a reflection of his image and not your own. 
The author went on to say this, that for lasting change to occur, we must bypass the lies and constantly rely on the truth of Scripture. You know, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will know God's pleasing and perfect will. Well, God's pleasing and perfect will, I know, for your life is not to hate yourself because you were made in the image of God. But in order for you to buy that, you don't conform to the truth of this world. You conform to the truth of God's word, and then it renews your mind. How often do I need to renew my mind? How often do you need to? Moment by moment sometimes, right? you got to look in the mirror. Secondly, if you deal with identity and maybe you need to speak a word of hope to someone else, for those who are in Christ, you are a new creation. That is the truth of the Scripture. You may feel like an old failure, but the truth of the Scripture says that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Paul used to uh, praise people from a human perspective. The, the Apostle Paul would hold people in high esteem when they always acted right and they always upheld the cause. That then, then he would hold them up here. For those who did not always uphold the cause and for those that, that always let down the standard of God, he would hold them down here. And that's also the way that he appraised himself. He thought himself to be righteous before God because he was zealous for keeping the law. And he would look at himself that way, that, that he was a slave to, to works. He was not a slave to God, but a slave to works. And he would walk the line so closely that when he appraised himself, he would see himself as righteous. If you see yourself this way, it will be a roller coaster of insecurity, insecurity. If your value is attached to what you do or what you don't do, then Sunday may be great and Monday may be terrible. And some people like roller coasters, but don't get that out of the illustration. The illustration is, is not for you to think, well, that's thrilling and there's drama in that. No, no, no. It's that it's up and down. It's not stable. But when Paul met Jesus, Jesus changed not just his life. He changed all of that. He changed the way that Paul not only saw people and their work, but, but how Paul saw himself by the truth of God. Once again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 17, I set all that up to say this. Paul said, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now, not just as a, a man and a moral man, but as God and Savior and Lord. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. A new person, if you have called upon the name of the Lord, if you have sought God for forgiveness and a way forward, if you've turned to God being convinced that Jesus is your ticket into heaven, you have believed upon Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, a new life has come and the old life has gone, even over and above how you feel tonight. Thank God for that. No longer are you the sum total of what you've done wrong. And no longer are you the sum total of what you've done right and what you think you did right. Your identity has been moved from what you do and what you don't do to who you are in. Once saved, you belong to Christ. You are in Christ, no longer in Adam. 
when you belong to Adam, when you belong to sin, then you had separation and death and all of that that goes with it. But once you are saved, you are saved and you belong to Christ, your identity is wrapped up in the truth and grace of God for your lifetime. Thank God for that. And you get a new nature and a new heart and a new spirit and a new mind. Now, sometimes we feel a certain way about ourselves because we still see ourselves as the same old person. But we are being rebuilt. We are being rebuilt. I can tell you the truth. When I got saved, when I truly called upon the Lord to save me, what I knew right away was I was no longer my own. What I said and what I did, all of a sudden there was a check on the inside. Something was going on in my heart that wasn't my mom and daddy anymore. But on the inside of me was like, no, that's, that's not right. That's because the Spirit of God, the Bible says, is working in you, giving you the desires and the power to do what pleases Him. God's Spirit fills the life of a believer. When you are in Christ, God's Spirit fills you and leads you away from yourself. That is why you are a new creation, because the old life just don't take up residence anymore. There's a new living Spirit of God inside of you. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 goes on to say, Because we have these promises, because we have these promises of God's presence, of God's eternal fellowship, dear friends, it says, Let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. Even the way that that is written lets you know that sin can still linger in the life of one who is going to receive the promises of God, which is why we must cleanse ourselves from everything that can still defile our body or spirit. One of those things that can defile your body or your spirit is a poor view of yourself. A, a biblical view of yourself or an unbiblical view of yourself can be one of those things that defile you. And, and the Bible goes on to say, let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Again, even the suggestion of working towards complete holiness means there is work to do. So if you find yourself in a struggle of obedience and, and waywardness, then keep on struggling. At least it's better to struggle than quit. It's better to be in the fight than not. It's better to be in Christ rather than in Adam. When you are in Christ and that nature has not gone away until glory, God's Spirit is fighting for you, drawing you to him and away from yourself. The promises of God are not based, listen to this, the promises of God, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, because we have these promises, the promises of God are not based on your struggling efforts. Because we'll often think to ourselves, if I'm struggling, do I receive the promises? The promises are not based on your fight. They're built on the faithfulness and the grace of God. This is why we worship. That's why we sing. That's why we give. That's why we serve. Not because we're good, but because God is good. So listen, I think this will help you. Don't think perfection. Think faithfulness. Don't think perfection, think faithfulness. My kids are mine all the time. They belong to me and Brittany all the time. <clears throat> when they are respectful and responsible, they are mine. When they are not, they are mine. Do you hear me? I love them the same. Brittany loves them the same all the time. Why? Because they belong to us. They are, are, are in us. They're from us. 
And we don't want them to be perfect, but we do want them to be faithful. Would you agree, parents? Grandparents, would you agree with that? We, we, don't, we don't expect them to be perfect because they don't have to be perfect to gain our love. The love is already there. They don't have to be perfect for us, but we want them to be faithful. Now, Christian, listen to this. This is not a license to sin a little. That's not what this is. It's a different way of you thinking about your identity before God, and it's thinking away from the law. That way of thinking gives us an understanding of identity based not on what we think. That level of thinking helps us to not give us a level of identity based on how we feel or how we perform. Rather, is an understanding of identity based on who God is and what he has said. And what God has said in his word over you tonight is this. God created human beings in his own image. God created you in the image of God. In the image of God who created male and female, he created them. We were created to be like God. We were created for the glory of God. We were not created to love ourselves. We were created to love God, and out of an appropriate view of God and authority for us, we love ourselves appropriately because we trust his word for what it says. God created human beings in his own image. Male and female, he created them. God is, think about what it means to be created in the image of God and what it means to be created to be like God. Well, God works for his glory. And God is unified within himself and God operates by absolute truth. He does not operate based on feelings. He, his love is not void of emotion, but his love is based on the truth. It is reasoned out. This is what it means to live in the reflection of God. So y'all preach the truth to yourself sometimes. I know I have to. I know there are times when I, I think I'm a, just a loser. or I'm serious. There's times when I think, like, I don't measure up. I never will. Uh, maybe I've, I've done something wrong, or maybe I've done something I thought was right, and maybe it was wrong. I have to preach the truth to myself just as well. What we receive, the promises of God, and who we are, the righteousness of God, are both based on who God is, not based on who we are. We are the image bearer of God. We did not create ourselves. God created us. Therefore, because God has created us, he decides what value to assign to us. And that means that you are an image bearer of God created special. It doesn't matter if you are like the person you think that you should look like, sound like, act like, play ball like. That does not determine your value. Doesn't determine your value. You may think to yourself, I'd be better off if I had that gift. That gift doesn't determine your value. God has created you special. You, as all of human race, are created in the image of God, which is why you should have a healthy appreciation for yourself. It's also why we should all have a healthy appreciation for everyone else. And also why we should have a healthy appreciation for all those folks who don't believe the way that we believe. Now, don't, don't hear me say the wrong thing now. It doesn't mean that, that you cannot still see what is sin and be sin and even call it out. But to downgrade folks and, and to, to trample over people because they don't act saved when they're lost 
is to see them something outside of an image bearer of God. Just be careful. We've got to be careful with that. Finally, this is real quick. Finally, it's 7.15. We're still doing good. You, you are, are uh, the last thing to know is you're not alone. You're not alone. If you are struggling with issues of identity, if you are struggling with things that everybody would say is immoral and God's word would call out as immoral, if you're struggling with things that are private to you but you, you would hate for them to be public, you're not alone. You are not alone in that. A lie you may believe is this. I can't feel valuable unless I'm loved and accepted by the significant people in my life. That may be a lie that, that you're believing in. If I, if I can't experience love from significant others, then, then um, I won't have a healthy sense of me and uh, I can't go on. Well, we are definitely built for relationships. But we are not even defined by relationships with others. Again, Adam or Jesus. That is the two base identities. And the most important relationship is a right relationship with God. I would rather have a right relationship with God than a wrong relationship with everybody else. The good news about the church is is that there are, are relationships waiting. The relationships in the church should be that we are all acknowledging of our own sin. We understand the need for God's grace. We, we don't determine our own identity, but the church definitely helps to fulfill our need for relationships. The scripture says that, we are, that God puts the lonely in families. When you feel that you are by yourself, that no one loves you, that you are alone in this world, God puts the lonely in families. And that family is the kingdom of God. It is the body of Christ, and we are bonded together by the author of love. Amen? Amen. Guys, thank you for being here tonight. I hope you all have a great evening. I think there's still maybe some sunlight left, and, and uh, thank goodness for the time change, right? Let's, uh, let's pray together, and uh, we'll be dismissed. Lord, we, we thank you, Father, for your word. Lord, for where we feel who we are, may that be met with the truth of who we are. God, according to you. Lord, if there be any in here tonight that remain in sin and remain in themselves and, Lord, need to, turn from sin and turn to you and be saved, be changed. God, I pray, Lord, that their uh, night would be filled with conviction, Lord, and that they would turn to you. Lord, that would call on you the best way that they know how, convinced that you are the way, the truth, and the life, not maybe even knowing the answers of what happens next, but just knowing they need to be right with you. Lord, I pray for those who are Christians in this place, God, that we would see the world through the lens of Scripture. God, that we would truly uh, continue to stand uh, against sin, but consider how we do. And if that is a reflection of you and a reflection of your love for the world. Lord, I, I pray, oh God, that uh, we, we would understand that our identity is wrapped up in the truth of your word. Lord, if we are in you, Lord, we are a new creation. And God, may we seek to yield towards the Spirit of God as he leads us. And uh, Lord, we thank you once again for your encouragement through your word. And I pray, God, that you continue to bless this body as we uh, go through days of ahead in the future. Lord, we just pray, God, that you would pour out your spirit on us, Lord, that you would uh, bring us together and lead us forward, Father, for your glory and for the good of man. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.